So this morning our gospel reading is from the gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 5 through 6. Hear now the word of God. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you have had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If we're going to truly understand what Jesus is talking about in this morning's reading, we need to spend some time thinking about mustard seeds. Now when you think of a mustard seed, you probably think of something that's, yes, small, but you probably think about that thing that comes in a bottle that's on the, in the spice rack at the grocery store. But when Jesus is talking about a mustard seed, he's talking about something that has the same name and grows the same plant, sort of, but is a little different. When I was in seminary, uh, one of the professors was preaching on this text, and she brought in a bowl of mustard seeds that she had bought in Jerusalem on a trip there. And other than being the same color, they really didn't resemble a whole lot the mustard seeds you and I would see at the supermarket. It looked almost like a bowl of dust. It was yellow dust. The seeds were so impossibly, it seemed, small that you almost couldn't pick out one from the other. It just looked like a bowl of, of dust. And when Jesus is talking about mustard seeds, this is what his first century hearers would have been thinking of. Something that small, something that tiny, yet something within which lies the potential for the huge bush that would grow from it. A seed that if it fell into the crack of a rock could grow and split the rock. If it fell among the roots of another plant could displace the roots from that plant, if not choke it out altogether. So he's talking about something impossibly small, it would seem, from which something grows, something big and strong and enduring. This is our scripture that we read today on World Communion Sunday, a Sunday that uh, we have set aside along with uh, brothers and sisters and other churches across the world to celebrate communion on this day. Now, there are many churches that celebrate communion every Sunday, many Christian traditions that celebrate communion every Sunday. We, most United Methodist churches don't, but so kind of what happened is we had a uh, churches that, even churches that don't celebrate communion every Sunday, have covenanted with other uh, Christian churches to celebrate communion on this day so that around the world we can be joined with our sisters and brothers in many languages and in many places in taking this act, in celebrating this sacrament of Holy Communion, this thing that binds us all together, this thing that we all do, that we all celebrate as an act of remembering the presence of Christ, but also an act of unity. And the mustard seed, and World Communion Sunday, to me, interacts in an important way because I want us to consider the unlikely explosion, and I use that word intentionally, explosion of church growth that's happened over the last 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth. And think about its unlikelihood. Consider the church was born when just a few men were gathered in a room and the Holy Spirit descended. We had the first Pentecost and then they preached and others were converted. 
Think about those first followers of Jesus who may have numbered in the hundreds, but the faith that was implanted in their lives and their experience of Jesus grew and flourished like a small mustard seed from this small group of people into something global, something truly worldwide, something encompassing perhaps billions of people over the years. The church started under threat. Lest we forget, those first Christians would have had fresh in their minds the death of Jesus. For the first 300 years of the Christian movement, we existed under threat from a hostile government, a a group that wanted us gone. That at times, Christians even paid for the faith within them with their lives. Yet the church persisted and persevered and has continued to grow through the centuries to be the global family of faith, the global church that it is today. Consider that a little under a third of the world's population are Christians. Now, when I say are Christians, you probably are thinking, well, Thomas, it doesn't seem like a third of the people I know are exuding Christian character. And that may be the case. But these are people who self-identify as Christians, and, and it's drawing from Uh, denominational statistics and things. This is all according to the Pew Research Center. But that about a third of the world's people call themselves Christians. And think, how did that start from just a few dozen in a Roman backwater province to be a worldwide Christian movement that we call church that encompasses a third of the world's population? I want to share some numbers with you to help illustrate this. Almost half, 48%, and this is again from the Pew Research Center, of all Christians, live in the ten countries with the largest number of Christians. Three of the top ten countries are in the Americas, the United States, Brazil, and Mexico. Two are in Europe, Russia, and Germany. Two are in the Asia-Pacific region, the Philippines and China. And three are in sub-Saharan Africa, Nigeria, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and Ethiopia. If you went back just a hundred years the world's Christian population would be almost entirely situated in Europe, North and South America. But since then, the church has exploded in other places. Again, getting at the idea that we are a worldwide movement. Though Christianity began in the Middle East and North Africa, today that region has both the lowest concentration of Christians, about 4% of the region's population, and the smallest number of Christians of any major geographic region. But Indonesia, which is a majority Muslim country, is home to more Christians than all 20 countries in the Middle East and North Africa combined. Nigeria now has twice as many Protestants, and the few people broadly define Protestant to include Anglicans and, and independent churches, so that would be non-Roman Catholic Christians. But Nigeria now has twice as many Protestants as Germany, That's where the Protestant movement started. Brazil has more Catholics than Italy. I don't know if you'll remember much of your geography, but that's where the Catholic Church is headquartered, is in Italy. And there are more Catholics in Brazil. Although Christians comprise just under a third of the world's population, they form a majority of the population in 158 countries and about two-thirds of all the countries and territories in the world. And about 90% of Christians live in countries where they are in a majority, 
leaving about 10% of Christians who live as minority populations. I, don't, I, I point these things out to demonstrate the truly global and worldwide nature of this Christian movement of which we are a part. That it did explode out of a specific place and time, but grow to literally go throughout the world. To go to new places, that the seed of faith would be sown in new places and grow in new hearts. That this movement of which we are a part can be seen like a mustard seed that started from something small, seemingly insignificant, but has grown into something much, much greater and much, much more. Those first followers of Jesus were like the mustard seeds who communicated the faith from generation to generation across the centuries to lead to you and I sitting here right now. So we're part of a mustard seed movement because we have mustard seed faith in each of our lives. The faith that we share within us has to start somewhere. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the angel oak on John's Island south of Charleston, but if you haven't, you should go look at it. To call it a tree is a bit of a, it's understatement. But it's a live oak tree that's estimated to be 500 years old. It stands 66 and a half feet tall. It has a circumference of 28 feet. And the shade it produces covers 17,200 square feet. Its longest branch is 187 feet long. Like I said, it's a big tree, in case you didn't pick up on that. And while we might not relate to a mustard seed, I think a, a, a live oak tree might be a little easier to relate to. But think about how that tree started. That oak tree started like every other oak tree. An acorn fell into the ground, and it grew. Within that acorn was the potential for the angel oak to live to be half a millennia old, to be the biggest tree east of the Mississippi River. Within that, do you see the symbolism in that? That within that acorn was the potentiality for something greater, something more? It reminds me that, that within us is planted something. The presence of God, the love of God, the grace of God, like, a, like an acorn or like a mustard seed that God can pull us and draw us toward, that God can lead us into being what God has called us to be. But within each of us rests that seed. Some years ago, well actually it was many years ago because I was probably about four when this took place, but my parents used to work with an organization called Jubilee Partners that helped refugees uh, get settled in the United States. And this was in the late 70s, early 80s. I know some of you are having a hard time believing I'm that old, but it's true. But this group uh, was working with, a, this is the first group they had, and it was a group of Cubans, all men, just happened to be Cuban men who had been that period of time when People were fleeing Cuba, were among them. And they settled in the, uh, they managed to find themselves in the unlikely setting of Comer, Georgia, which is a place you've never heard of. If you have heard of it, I'd very much like to speak to you after worship. 
but this small town in northeast Georgia. And my parents worked with this group. As I said, my father is a retired United Methodist minister, and, and the church had some ministry with this group. And they, the, the church hosted a dinner for these Cubans. And they just, you know, like church folk, church people do. You invite them into the fellowship hall. You feed them a bunch of food. You show them hospitality. And these Cuban men were all of an age that they could remember that there was a time before communism. But they were of an age that they couldn't really remember it well. They had grown up in most of their lives and living memory for them were a, a, a hostile communist government that persecuted the church, that discouraged any public exercise of faith, that uh, systematically reduced the church almost into non-existence. And so when they found themselves sitting in the fellowship hall of a Methodist church in Georgia, they wanted to learn more. And so they asked for a tour of the church. And I don't know if y'all know this, every church person loves giving a tour of their church. So they were being shown around this, this small church and they, like, they came to the sanctuary last. And it was not as grand as our sanctuary here. And it did not in any way resemble a Gothic cathedral or anything. It was just a small town, rural church. Sat about 120 people elbow to elbow. But as those Cuban men came into this space of worship, they became quiet. They began looking around at the stained glass windows, at the Christian symbolism, the cross on the altar. And one of the men, in that silence, walked forward and knelt. Knelt at the altar rail. And as he knelt, the other men kind of came one by one and knelt as well. Sensing the holiness of that moment, their hosts just kind of backed up and let them stay there for as long as they would. And eventually the men on their own just kind of stood up and walked back out of the fellowship hall, well, out of the sanctuary and back to the fellowship hall. And somebody had the presence of mind to ask the first man who knelt, said, we're so happy that you shared this sacred space with us. I'm sure they didn't say it quite like that, but shared this holy place that we have. But what urged you to kneel? And he said something like, I don't really remember. I know that my mother used to take me to church. And I don't remember what you were supposed to do, but I do remember that you knelt. Some of the men spent that time in prayer. Some of them just being in that space. But all of them responding to a seed that had been planted within them. That when they walked into a place that had been soaked in the prayers of the faithful, they knew how to respond. They felt compelled to respond. Some of those men wound up settling in that area and became active members of that church. There was a seed that had been planted in their lives that not even a brutal atheistic government could extinguish. And it grew. God puts the potentiality within all of us like a mustard seed that can fall in a rock and grow and split the rock into 
crack when it landed. Like a mustard seed that can fall into the roots of another tree and dislodge that tree. Like an acorn that could fall from a tree into the dirt on John's Island and manage to get the right amount of rain and the right amount of sunshine, manage not to be eaten by something. No squirrel dug it up. I don't know if y'all know this. Squirrels don't remember where they bury their acorns. They just go digging and hope they find one. And the squirrel didn't find the angel oak acorn. But it all was there in the mustard seed, in the acorn, in the human heart. The potentiality for God to bring us into being something that he's leading us into being. God plants that seed of faith within each of us and asks us to join and open our hearts and let him bring that seed into fruition. Friends, on this World Communion Sunday, we celebrate this sacrament of Holy Communion. In this sacrament, we believe that Christ is present. He's here spiritually with us. And we believe when we come to the Lord's table and we receive this meal of bread and wine that God feeds us with His grace. God nourishes us with His grace. It is a way, this meal of communion, that God uses that grace to nourish the seed that's growing within each of us and help us grow into who He's bringing us to be. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, within each of us lies a potential for who You've made us to be. Oh Lord, may we open ourselves to Your presence and Your grace Lord, may we have the faith of a mustard seed that you might grow that seed of faith within us to use us for your good in the world. Lord, we ask this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.